that I want to speak on, which is in the reading that Brenda read to us earlier. It's Acts chapter 20 and verse 21, where the Apostle Paul says, I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. Now, I can take you to a place in Somerset, to a stone just off the path at Clatworthy Reservoir on the Devon-Somerset border, and I can show you a stone which quite some years ago I knelt and poured my heart out to God in prayer. I had gone there, my life was in an awful mess, and um, I had family problems, I had my own personal problems. I'd been a Christian for a few years, but instead of going forward in my Christian life, I'd been going backwards in my Christian life and making a real mess of things. And in utter misery and despair, I drove off to Clatworthy Reservoir and I was walking there and I was stirred up inside. And then I, I stopped through the woods. Um, you, you can see the damn wall just across the wall and just to the left and a little bit uh, I, I, I knelt down there and I poured my heart out to God. I repented of my sins. I asked for forgiveness. And you know, when I drove back from Clatworthy Reservoir, I was singing <laughs> for joy all the way. It, it, I couldn't believe it myself. <laughs> it wasn't that I became a Christian then. I'd been a converted for several years but this was another time I took another step in my Christian life of repentance and faith because repentance and faith are not one-off actions they're not things you you just do one day and say oh glad I've done that can forget about it they are the feet that you walk the Christian life on repentance and faith. That's the pathway, that the road that leads to glory. We have a path of salvation and we walk along the road to glory on the two legs of repentance and faith. A Christian life starts when we take the first steps of repentance and faith. Becoming a Christian is not when you get wet at church. It's not when you sing God's hymns. It's not when you concentrate on the prayers. It's not when you give money to charity. It's not when anything uh, is done by you except you repent of your sin and put your trust in Jesus Christ. That's why the Apostle Paul went all around the known world telling people these two things. They have to repent and believe. And we keep walking that path all the way to heaven. Now, what I want to communicate to you this morning is that this path, the path of repentance and faith, is the best path in the whole world. It's not a miserable path. It's not a negative path. It's not a nasty path. It's not a fanatical path. It's the best path 
in the whole world. And it is the road that leads to heaven. And there's no greater privilege than the privilege of taking these two steps. One is negative, the other is positive. Repentance and faith. So first of all then, the privilege of repentance. Some of you will remember when the bin men went on strike. And our streets were filled with rubbish that wasn't getting thrown away. And it not only was an eyesore, but it was a nose sore. It began to stink. And the rats began to breed. And it, it was horrific. And how wonderful it was when they went back to work and they threw the rubbish away. And how wonderful it is for us when we can get rid of that rubbish in our souls, that evil in our lives, that sin that is upon our backs. I spent a year working as an anesthetic technician in a hospital in the Middle East. I'm amazed that they had me, but they did. And one day, a man came in who had a horrible abscess on his foot. Now, some of you have been to the dentist with an abscess on their tooth. Who's been to the dentist with an abscess? Yes, I mean, they're not nice, are they? But this guy had an abscess on his foot. He also had a dread of hospitals. And so he didn't come for such a long time. He tried to put up with the pain of the abscess in his foot. Well, I mean, he didn't want to go to the hospital because someone might touch it. <laughs> And he didn't want that. So he put up with it. Now, it got to the point where he couldn't walk on it. It was so swollen and painful and red. He couldn't touch it. And he couldn't get a decent night's sleep either. Because of the poison in his body. But then he was frightened of hospitals. So he didn't want to uh, go to the hospital where someone might um, cause him more pain. But Finally, in desperation, he came to the hospital and we gave him a general anesthetic. We didn't use the normal operating theatres. We took him to the outpatient's operating theatre because of all the poison and pus that was going to be around. And we gave him a general anesthetic. And I can remember when the doctor lanced the abscess, although the patient was out cold, he was writhing on the table because of the pain was so immense, but all the poison got squeezed out. Lovely story for you on a Sunday morning, isn't it? Hope you're enjoying it. It gets more gory. No, it doesn't. <laughs> and you know, within a couple of days, swelling had gone down, soreness was clearing up, he was able to walk. How he wished he had gone earlier and got the poison out of his foot. But he was frightened to. And how in my life, I wish I had turned to God earlier and got the sin and the evil and that kind of poison out of my heart and soul. But we are privileged to get all of the poison out of our souls. And we need to because the poison is damaging us. The poison in our souls, the poison of sin in our hearts, it, it affects our relationship with God. And so we find, actually, we, we don't really want God in our lives. We want to keep him in, you know, a safe distance from us so that we can do our own things. And we try to live without God, just as this guy tried to live without hospitals. But it doesn't only affect our relationship with God. It affects our thoughts about God. 
So we can actually think that God is nasty, just as this guy thought that the doctor who was going to touch his foot was nasty. We think, no, I don't want God. God's nasty. God's a bit of an ogre. He's a bit of a bully. Not only does sin affect our relationship with God, but it affects our relationship with people. We can find that we really fall out with people. We just can't, can't get on with them as we would like to. Our relationships are damaged. It affects our behavior. And it affects us never for the better. And as we get older, our lives have gathered all this poison, all this sin, all this litter. And our lives have become, as it were, a great big landfill stored up with years and years of cutting words and selfish ambitions and hurtful behavior and sometimes evil deeds. And all this is stored up in our hearts like, a, like pus in an abscess. But it gets worse than that. It's not only that now our souls are like landfills littered with sin, but slowly, because of the poison of sin in our lives, uh, our, our lives slowly but surely go on that downward slide. So something goes wrong. Say we lie or we, we cheat or we steal. And then that lower level becomes the new normal. And then something goes wrong again. And, and we make another bad decision or another bad relationship or another bad action. And then that becomes the new normal. And as we get older and older, our lives have been sliding down slowly. And the new normal becomes less and less what it ought to be. There's a story all about this in the Bible. It's the story of Jonah. We all know the story of Jonah. And if you read the book of Jonah, you will see how Jonah went down, 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 down. Just to remind you, it begins that Jonah went down to Joppa. And then we read he got on the boat and he went down below deck. And then we read he went into a deep sleep. And then when he gets thrown overboard, we, we read he is thrown into the deep and then we read, he went down to the roots of the mountains. And then we read, he went down to the very depths of death and hell itself. Some people's, their, their, their lives uh, clearly uh, have destructive habits and we can see them sinking fast. You see a person who turns to drugs. Within weeks, their life is on that hurtling downward slide. For some people, though, the slide is more slow and gentle. But it happens. People get self-loathing, self-hurting, suicidal when things happen so quickly. Sometimes it's just that slow downward slide. Things are not the way they ought to be. We are not walking with God. We don't have the spiritual life we ought to. We've slipped. And here's the rub. Without God, we have absolutely nobody to forgive us. No one to take the poison out of our souls. No one to heal the wound. No one to repent to. What our society does, because they've rejected God, what our society does is it's full of self-help. And you can go to you know, W.H. Smith and you can get half a dozen books on self-help. And you know what that's like? That is like this guy with his abscess, and he, he learns how to put cotton wool around it, and he learns how to hop well. <laughs> it's not solving the problem, it's just 
trying to help you cope with a bad, unacceptable situation. Some people, they're not into self-help, they're into denial. Nope, nothing wrong, nothing wrong. I remember when my neighbor down the road, when he uh, ran off with someone else and left his wife and kids. And I spoke to him about it, and he said to me, he said, Chris, he said, your kids are going to grow up odd. He says, everybody's having affairs. <laughs> yeah. I'm not doing anything wrong. Chris, you're wrong. When my brother's daughter had um, anorexia, they went to a Harley Street specialist. And the Harley Street specialist said to my brother, he says, have you and your wife had an affair? And he said, no, of course not. They said, well, that's the problem. Your kids aren't growing up toughened. <laughs> You know, if wrong is right, then right is wrong. But that's, that's the society. We just deny there's a problem. No, we're all right, thank you very much. You can read books like Nick Hornby's How to Be Good, you know, and how this guy, his wife, everything is wrong in her life, and yet she pretends that she's the good one. Or, this is what else we do. Because we can't repent to God, we either self-help or denial or we run away. And there are people who are running away from God. Some people run and hit the bottle. Some people run and hit worko- workaholism. Not alcoholism, but workaholism. Others hit perfectionism or escapism of one kind. But we can't get clean because there's no one actually to forgive us. So we're living our lives with this dirt in our soul, with this guilt on our conscience, with this broken relationship with God, and there's nothing we can do that can mend it, because there's no one who can forgive us. It reminds me of the girl who was in the shower, almost scalding herself, and almost scrubbing herself with bristles, trying to get the sin out of her soul, but you can't. Marganita Lasky, some of you will remember her. She was a novelist and a journalist and used to be on any questions when I was growing up. She's an atheist and she said, what I envy most about you Christians is your forgiveness. I have nobody to forgive me. But she did. We all do. Because God became man in the person of Jesus Christ. And as the God-man, he died for our sins upon the cross of Calvary. He was the divine sin offering for you and for me. He has provided forgiveness for us all. So if we repent, we can receive forgiveness. It's no good trying to forgive yourself. That's like trying to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It doesn't work. We need God to forgive us. And therefore, we must have repentance towards God. You must, I must. Now, repentance is more than just being sorry for my sin. It's repentance means turning from our sin, turning with our minds, our hearts, our wills. It's a complete change of direction. It's like the soldiers marching along, and suddenly the sergeant major shouts about turn, and they turn and go in the opposite direction. Well, we, with our behavior, with our thoughts about God, our ambitions and everything, from being selfish, we're now godly. Complete turn. Well, that's the wonder of the negative, getting the poison out of our souls. But the positive is wonderful too. 
there was the privilege of repentance, and now we have the privilege of faith in the Lord Jesus. Faith, what is faith? Faith is when you realize someone is reliable, and therefore you put your trust in them. Let me tell you about my mum. Fortunate, she, well, for, I was going to say fortunately she's dead, but that just doesn't sound right, does it? <laughs> All right, fortunately, she's not going to tell me off for saying this. But she had the most hopeless sense of direction in the world. Once, it was a hot summer's day, and she was driving to visit family in the Birmingham Wolverhampton area. And in her 70s, because it was a hot day, she thought that driving in the hot car, she would just wear her swimming costume to drive in. Says something about my upbringing, doesn't it? Well, well, there she is, driving along, and she's got lost in Spaghetti Junction. She can't get out. So she stops, and she asks some policeman the way. And uh, they give her directions. A bit surprised to see this 70-plus old woman in a swimming costume driving the car. But they still give her directions and smile as she goes. Two hours later, still driving around Spaghetti Junction, <laughs> she comes back to the same policeman <laughs> to ask how to get out of Spaghetti Junction. And in the end, they have to drive and lead her through the um, road system because she just has such a hopeless sense of direction. As my mum. Now your satna. Your sat-nav has a brilliant sense of direction. And I'm talking to you, and you say, oh, my sat-nav is so good. I just tell it where I want to go, and it finds the best road, and I follow it, and I get there every time. It's wonderful. I say, so you really trust your sat-nav? You say, yeah, I trust it completely. And I say, cool, I wish I could trust my mum's directions as much as you trust your sat-nav. You say, well, stupid, it won't do any good trusting your mum's sense of direction. You'll still get lost. What you need is to get rid of your mum's directions and get my sat-nav, and then you can trust that. That's what faith is. Faith is not when we wishful thinking that we're all right. It's when we get rid of trusting ourselves and other things, and we realize that Jesus Christ is the one we can trust, and so we put our trust in him. He is more than just a man. He is the man who is God. That's why we can trust him. He is the one who has provided forgiveness. That's why we can trust him. He is the one who has risen from the dead, defeating even death itself. That's why we can trust him. So we put our trust in Jesus Christ. Just like my little grandson, when we go to cross the road, and he grabs hold of my hand. So we grab hold of the hand of Jesus Christ and we walk through life trusting in him. Which means, number one, we live right. It means, number two, we have someone to help us in our times of immense difficulty. It means we have someone to share our times of great joy with. And when we come to the end of the life, we're safe going through death. And then for all eternity... We are safe with God. It's such a privilege. It's wonderful. It's far better than anything else in the world. The French philosopher, Luc Ferré, he, in 2006, published a book looking at all the major philosophies and religions in the world, and he rejected them all. So what was his criticism of Christianity? Why did he reject Christianity? 
his only significant criticism of Christianity was that he thinks it's too good to be true. <laughs> That's not reasons to reject it. That's reasons to accept it. Yesterday, a friend of mine took his girlfriend to Anfield to watch Liverpool play football. And in Anfield Stadium, he got down on one knee, got out a ring, and while Liverpool was losing, he, he proposed to his girlfriend. Now, just imagine, she said, Oh, Andy, you're wonderful. You're the nicest guy in the world. And you're going to look after me. Oh, that's too good to be true. No, I reject you. I mean, it's stupid, isn't it? And yet here's Luke Ferry who says the reason he rejects Christianity is too good to be true. It's too good to miss. So let us all benefit from God's goodness, from Jesus' death and resurrection. Let us repent of our sin and put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we will have the right not merely to be baptized, but the right to be the children of God. The right to be citizens of heaven. The most privileged people on earth. And today, you can take those steps yourself. Now, I can take you to a place in Somerset, a different place than Clatworthy Reservoir. And I can take you to a place, and it's a bank of grass, and I can remember on that day thinking I didn't want anything more to do with God or Christianity. I thought it was rubbish, and I rejected it. I can take you to another place in Somerset where I was sitting on a chair with friends of mine, and I suddenly realized I wanted to get right with God. I wanted to know more about this. And I can take you to a room in the house that I used to live in. And I can take you to my bedroom where on one day in my middle, middle teens I knelt beside my bed. And in repentance and faith I committed my life to Jesus Christ. And God broke into my life and I was converted. Now every time I preach there will be some people who like me as a youngster say that's rubbish, I don't want it. Some who are interested and say I want to know more about it. Come and talk to me. Take one of the booklets. And there's who say, yeah, I want to begin. And in your heart, you need to pray and ask God to forgive you. Because he can, because Jesus Christ died. And commit your life to following Jesus Christ because he is reliable and faithful.